Welcome to the Global Discussion, discussions with creatives, leaders, and thinkers. My name's Simon Hodgkins, and it's a pleasure to be joined by Michael Sacker today. Michael, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let's begin by asking you to introduce yourself to our worldwide audience. Over to you, Michael. Yeah, no, first off, thank you. I'm so excited to, to be here. Um, so uh, for the last six years, I was at uh, Dribble. I was uh, various executive roles from the marketing team, the sales team, to finally the product team. Um, for over the last year, I was both the GM and uh, chief product officer there. And um, while we were there, I, I fell in love with education. And I, I've had, you know, I also host a popular product podcast, Rocket Ship, for the last decade now. Um, and every week we're teaching, but it was at Dribble where I realized the power and the impact that education could have um, when we built out the Dribble education um, business there. And the testimonials from the students, the the kind of impact that we had on their lives inspired us to um, found Gigantic, which we see as the professional training institute of the future. Um, and we're focused on product training, marketing training, um, and the future skills that people will need to be successful um, because the, the market is changing rapidly. And I saw this as an executive at Dribble trying to upskill um, our own uh, team. At times it was difficult and there wasn't always great resources to do it. And I certainly didn't have the time internally to both learn new skills and then train the team on them. And so that was the, the origin of gigantic and we've just launched our first product leadership course and we have an ai for marketing course coming out soon um so we're incredibly excited to be in this education space and helping grow the future leaders of tomorrow yeah it's a, it's impressive and it's a, it's a subject very close to my heart because the way we learn today is extremely different from the way i learned it's it's extremely different to the way my parents learned we're in this fast AI fueled world at the moment at the time of recording and the way that people learn and the tools and the platforms and the, the availability of uh, knowledge is it's completely different, isn't it? To say somebody that was educated even a few short years ago, never mind a generation ago. So what's the thinking behind gigantic? Let's look into that a little bit more because it's, it's quite unique and it looks very, very impressive. So tell us a bit more about Gigantic. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I think you're right, right? Traditionally, a lot of this higher education research would come from the institutions, the universities, but it takes a really long time for that information to be both filtered through the industry, then down to a professor, and then packaged up into a curriculum. And oftentimes, by the time it gets there, it's it's old. It's, it's like unusable. Um, because that takes that that takes years in development. And we see universities speeding up, but I, I still don't feel like the information being taught by professors um, at some of these trainings is as potent as the information being taught by the industry leaders who are actually implementing this technology, these techniques um, in real time. And so the philosophy is what if we we got the information from the front line? And so, you know, Ben Foster, he was the chief product officer at Whoop. Um, Maria Asapova, who's teaching our AI for marketing course, she's an active CMO at Penny AI. And so these people are actually um, leveraging what they're teaching in their day-to-day. -day. They're getting real-time feedback and learning on this information. And then we're packaging up within months 
um, and delivering it out to the market. So you're getting top quality education um, and then you're getting mentorship and activities and, and educational reinforcement along the way. Um, but you're getting it from people who are actively working. And we've seen this work um, with other institutions like, like Reforge um, have done it really well. And there's a huge gap in the market for it that I, I don't feel like is is properly being filled by our current avenues. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And we I have spoken to previous guests about the education sector. And one of the things that comes up a few times is that if you're doing a long course, a degree, uh, a bachelor's, a master's, whatever it is, um, by the time you've finished it and actually got through the whole process, the information that you've been learning isn't current anymore. Whereas you're going at it the other way, you're right at the sort of cutting edge. You, you, you've got people that are actually doing this in real scenarios that, who are then also mm -hmm. spending time to teach people. So the information couldn't be any more current, could it? Uh, not much, right? Like the, the only, um, I think way you could get faster is like watching live TikToks and, but you're only getting like snippets of information. And the other part that we felt like was missing was from that, the YouTube, right? So like the alternative is I'm going to go get a free education from YouTube. I'm going to read all the blog posts that are coming out, but where you're getting is this fractional information. And I often found when I was trying to teach myself something, I would hit a wall. So I would follow, you know, a YouTube video to the end, but then what's next. And there's often not continuity because those platforms are geared at the, the, the top of the funnel. Right, because you're it's an advertising play. So their goal is to get the most people viewing. So the continuity is often unprofitable. And so how do we get deeper in, which is the information that you actually need when you're a working professional? Um, and so that that's the the balance here is let's get the fastest information to the market possible, but let's get it robust enough so that there are there there is a a a sequence to your learning and to your growth and that you actually have information that you can then take reliably into a company um, and, and, and leverage. And it's not just a kind of 15 minute YouTube hit. Yeah, that's really important. And I, I know that you focus on that sort of very hands-on program, that hands-on learning, but it's also mm. available for teams, isn't it? It's not, it doesn't just have to be an individual looking to further their own education. You make That's it available right. for yeah. teams and people can also become a mentor, can't they? Could you maybe explain that a little bit for me? The mentorship has been one of the most rewarding pieces that we've seen. There's so many people that want to give back. They've acquired this knowledge. They don't have time. They're working, but do they have an hour during lunch? Yeah. You know, and, and the mentorship piece, now we, we compensate the, the mentors, but the real reward is getting to teach the knowledge that they have to others and, and watch their growth. And we see so many people that want an outlet like this, but don't have it today. Or maybe they've been asked to be a mentor, but it's a bit loose. Like, I, I want to pick your brain or I, I want to become a marketing professional like you. Well, it's hard to do that. Right. It's hard to take someone from zero to 100. But what we've provided is a nice structure so that there is focus to the conversation. We provide prompts, we provide um, exercises to be reviewed. And so as they're mentoring, there's a structure to it that they don't necessarily have to put in place. They can come in on their lunch break, 
and then spend time with five to 10 students, um, facilitate the conversation. And you really get that, that feeling of fulfillment at the end. Um, and especially at, at Dribble, we saw this over and over. The mentors were the loudest voices on social media because they were so proud of the of the improvement that they had created in these students and so they were often the first to post i just graduated all these students i'm so in, in, impressed with their growth um and so that piece of giving back i think is also um it's a bit of a hole in our industry today that people want to fill but don't necessarily have reliable avenues to yeah and it, it almost becomes its own community doesn't it because i'm, I'm assuming a lot of people that are searching or have this this sort of thirst for this knowledge, they may not have the access or the resources to right. do this in a traditional way. Uh, they certainly might not know any of these key people. Whereas you're saying, well, actually, if you want to learn from Amazon or Meta or Coinbase or PayPal or Nike or eBay, the list goes on. Uh, you can bring those people right in mm -hmm. and sort of you're sort of the conduit, aren't you, between the person seeking that very hands-on experience and that real uh, cutting-edge knowledge and the latest knowledge with the access and that that's really a, a benefit to people who are looking to Absolutely. learn in a particular area. And as you say, it's not like hitting a brick wall when you watch one Ted talk on a particular topic and then what's next or one YouTube video. And then well, where do I go from here? You're packaging that up for the, for the consumer, for the, the person who wants to learn and, and wants to expand their education. Um, what about the the yeah. contrast with that and traditional education though is this an an addition is this just the demand that's out there that you see from your past experience people just want to learn in this way now and the i suppose the traditional way of education is that becoming less interesting to people is it a cost barrier what's your view on that from somebody that's you know in this hot space yeah, I, I think it's it's all of the above, right? I, I think if we look at K to twelve, even college, I think there's a ton of value in those years of development for people. But I I, I don't think universities are doing a great job. Um, I think what we're doing is when you're five to ten years out from university, how do you continue to grow and advance? Um, and I think that the market itself has created this um, problem where like. Our parents, uh, or at least my parents, um, they had the same jobs for 30, 40 years. And, you know, when I graduated, we were anticipated to have six jobs. But now I meet people that have had a new job every year. And that means every year they're, they're, they're taking on a different problem um, and they're having to apply different frameworks to it. And so we're forcing people to be, you know, more well-rounded. Um, in, in order to achieve advancement. And, and we're also the, the information, the knowledge that's needed to continually stay competitive every year has drastically increased while companies are investing less and less in that education and training. And so I think the market has kind of opened up this space where five to 10 years out from your formal education, you're feeling behind. You're feeling like, um, I've got gaps and skills that that I need to to shore up in order to stay in market, in order to stay competitive, and started to, in order to keep growing my career. And that's the the service that we're really providing here. Is you don't have time to spend four years at a university. Um, you probably don't have fourteen grand to spend on a on a year long training course, but 
you've got a couple grand to invest in a very specific area of growth and knowledge that will help to advance you and get you to that next milestone. And that's what we're seeing is, is people, they, they can dedicate one to two months, one to four months. Um, and that's kind of like, that's a season for them. It's a quarter. Um, and beyond that, uh, it becomes a bit cumbersome and like work is very demanding. Life is demanding. Um, and so that's we're, we're trying to get that, you know, how do we get that yearly hit of growth for folks um, in areas that they feel like if they had that knowledge, they would continue to improve. And I, I, I don't feel like we have enough of that in the market um, at a proper training level. Yeah, it's excellent. It's an excellent point, Michael. And I think you, you touched on something that people are really thinking about, because as economies either boom, or sort of plateau or bust, you know, and interest rates go up and down and econ there's economic challenges, and wars break out. And you know, lots of things go on in the world, pandemics happen, who, who would have known? Yep. So there's lots of yep. things that impact people, right? And if you'd have said to me, that a lot of job descriptions, in the last 12 months would have included prompt engineering and AI two years ago, I just said, what are you talking about? Because it just wasn't on the recruitment, you know, requirement, but people have had to upskill themselves. There is no AI college that I'm yeah. aware of where people have, you can't get a, you know, you can't do this because it's so new yet. You need to be able to yeah. level up yourself. You need to be able to invest in yourself and people are looking for the current information and it seems like you've got the sweet spot for that yeah no I, I appreciate that and we've tried to price it where companies do have learning and development budgets that can be used we've tried to to price it so that it's accessible to all employees who are looking for a place to invest that that um those resources that their company has provided for them so we want to make it accessible we want to make it beneficial to companies, um, but at a price point that is significantly less than sending someone to um, a proper university or um, one of these, you know, more expensive boot camps. Yeah. And look, you're no stranger to creating great content because you mentioned rocket ship at the start and that's, that continues to go from strength to strength. So for people listening to this, <laughs> who may not be as familiar with it as I am, could you tell tell people a little bit about, what Rocketship FM is. Yeah, absolutely. So Rocketship FM actually started because um, about 10 years ago, uh, I was running an agency. We had built a product and we thought we were really good at everything, um, including marketing. But when we took it to market, nobody actually wanted it. And we didn't know how to reach our customers. We didn't know what really to do beyond like building a product, not even the right product, just a product. And so we were sitting here with, you know, we were like, we had invested 50, 80,000 in development time to, to build this thing. And I realized I needed help. And that's how Rocketship started was we just need an excuse to get people that we respected on the phone. And our interviews were really just asking them questions about kind of the, the phase that we were at. And so for the first five years that you can almost follow along um, with my career because it spans from product to sales to marketing. Um, and now we're really looking at the greater industry um, as a whole and looking at, you know, we're keeping up with it, last year it was Web3, this year it's AI, who knows what it'll be next year. Um, and so we're, we're, the goal is to keep um, product folks updated as to what's happening. 
why it's important, what they need to know. Um, our last episode was actually on the the lawsuits that um, OpenAI is facing because, to be honest, like we're all excited about integrating this new technology, but there's real legal implications potentially if we open up large language learning models and the output of those violates our law today, what happens, right? And so we're starting to see defamation lawsuits. Um, and these are things that I, I think anyone building today just needs to be aware of that there is risk amongst the hype and excitement. Not everything is is rosy. So we try to present both sides. Yeah, so important because um, it's interesting as a consumer using AI tools, it's all everybody's gung-ho and, and in there. But a lot of businesses are quite conservative because of data privacy, building their own mm -hmm. uh, LLM, uh, or whether it is, well, what, where is this data stored? And how, you know, we've see, even seen OpenAI, one of the big players in this space, having to turn on some level of uh, data um, uh, privacy because corporates demand yeah. it. You can't just feed somebody else's model and train it with corporate data, right? There are huge legal implications for that. And then whether you're talking about DALI or MidJourney or all the other sort of, I suppose, generative AI, uh, uh, more artistic type of outputs, um, it has been fed by data from stuff that's already out there. And how do those Absolutely. providers of that content get um, compensated or, in a lot of cases, didn't agree to it? It just happened because it was out there on the web. So, the, the, you know, I mean, I'm no lawyer, uh, but there's an there's absolutely some very very intense conversations taking place behind the scenes which i'm sure you dived <laughs> into on your latest episode um but it is it is fascinating and i think the uh ai certainly will play a part in everything from image production to the written word to video uh and you know it touches everything to some degree but we will see where we end up absolutely um, very very soon well, look, thank you for sharing that, because I think whether it was, you know, as the executive vice president, general manager and chief product officer at Dribble, whether it's what you're doing now in this, you know, really exciting endeavor now with Gigantic uh, as the chief executive officer. And of course, Rocketship FM, you've got a lot going on. Uh, and the question that I want to ask you, it kind of leads on from something that you said a moment ago which is about how are you staying up to up to speed? Are you constantly scouring the internet? Are you just talking to people? Are you constantly listening to podcasts? How do you onboard information, Michael? Because in your world, uh, if anybody needs to be current, it's you. So what type of tools, what do you read? What sort of blogs are you focused on? Or how does it work from a learning perspective for you? Yeah, so I'm a bit old school. And, you know, just like the podcast, I love interviewing people. I love talking to people. And I've actually found that the most reliable and valuable information comes from those who are deep in the field, right? So um, actually what, what I do is I have um, several key friends now, but also colleagues that I catch up with every month. And so I just I, I keep a, a monthly calendar uh, with several folks uh, across different disciplines, and I catch up with them every month. It, it's very friendly, but we also kind of get into I'm able to kind of pick their brain. What's what's really happening in you know artificial intelligence? How like what's the hype 
you know, and how much of this is real, what's actually capable. So like, I have a friend that, you know, he just graduated from Harvard with a, a artificial intelligence machine learning um, master's degree. And so we catch up every month and I'm always, you know, I, I can always get a couple questions. And I find that that information is so much more reliable than anything I get on the internet because he's deep in like research chat groups and places that I can't go. Um, and that the internet isn't really going to take you. Um, and so that's really where I get my best information. That's not to say I'm not on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. You know, I'm, I'm definitely reading articles. I, I listen to a variety of, of podcasts. Um, but I always found that the best information comes from others who are deep in it, who are willing to share. And so those personal conversations for me, just like an interview on a podcast, I, I think like that's it, it's kind of an extension of that mode of my personality that's where i've always found the most interesting and deep knowledge has come from yes and you, you almost have to get past the noise don't you to get to the real story the real information totally. yeah yeah there's so much and when you talk to people who really know the space reality starts to hit as in like i i was just talking to a guy who works in pr and he, he worked at really large uh, PR firms inside of companies. And he was kind of explaining, look, this is where the hype is coming from. This is who's pushing it. And here's what I think is going to happen, right? So he was, he was even predicting like the AI sentiment is going to start to wane in the next six months because look, like people are going to get disenchanted. Like we're now talking about AI destroying humanity. That reality probably won't come in six months and people are going to be disappointed that it's not that powerful yet. And so, um, and we watched it with Web3 just last year. Um, we, we all had to get in on the blockchain and now it's dead. I don't think the same is with AI. I think AI actually has some real world use cases, but I, I do think that there's a tempering down of this and I'm actually looking forward to it, of the hype and the prompts um, into something that is much more usable for companies. And that's actually why we developed the course in the first place, because I was kind of sick of all of the, you know, 100 chat GPT prompts to become an expert and replace everyone at your company. Um, how are companies actually leveraging this? And that's what we worked with Maria to actually pull out were real case studies from real companies. And I think people are going to be looking for that more in the next six months as we get tired of reading the top 100 prompts to replace your engineering team. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think some of that initial hype and froth is always going to be there, regardless of what the, you know, that sort of upward trajectory on the, the hype cycle, it's always there. Yeah. But the reality is you very quickly, particularly in a business environment, you have to come down to, yes, but how can we use this in an effective, efficient, yeah. legal manner that's actually exactly. going to produce results? Uh, and where, where do I invest my time? Because there's a lot of other things I can be investing in. And there are some tremendous advancements that people are seeing and some tremendous yeah. efficiency improvements. There's a lot of errors too, whether you want to use the term hallucinations or not. And even yeah. on the homepage of lots of these large language models, there are warnings that say this stuff might not be accurate. So that that's mm -hmm. not great for certain industries at all. Um, yeah. And look, it'll, it gets better over time. But um, I appreciate your insights. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, with your, your position on that. And I think moving to a more realistic, how do we deploy this is critical for people. And it's beginning to look that way. It's beginning to feel a yeah. little bit like that. Yeah. Uh, last question on this, because I do want to change topic, but Apple recently launched the Vision Pro. I'm sure you saw the launch mm -hmm. given the space that you're in. Um, 
and it seems to me to be an ideal environment for learning and i was i was talking to a, a gentleman recently who is the chief executive of a, a vr ar xr i suppose um healthcare company and he was telling me about the benefits of uh, patient care in in learning in a learning environment using augmented reality and i'm just wondering yeah. from a learning perspective you must be keeping a close eye on what happens here uh, as this technology develops we're probably a way away from it yet there's not many people going to shell out three and a half thousand dollars for right. the latest apple goggles it'll be the early adopters and the people that are in the space but it's the beginning of potentially a new way of computing and potentially a new way of learning have you any initial thoughts on that Oh, I think it's incredibly exciting. I mean, I, I think as, as we look, because we are so remote, I mean, we've had to design our program to be remote first 10 years ago. These would have been all been in-person learning. Um, creating different modalities of learning is incredibly important to reaching people and, and opening up the knowledge to, to the widest space. Not everyone is a visual learner or, you know, some people like reading. They, some people need conversation to be reinforced. And I, I think... The, the goggles open up new modalities to reach people who may not be um, adapted, maybe sitting and watching a 30-minute lecture, right? That's just not the way that they pick up information. Um, the more capabilities to create hands-on experiences, and even if it's not like a physical experience, it does create the interactivity within the, the goggles and within the UI that we don't really have on the web today. And I think it's incredibly exciting to be able to bring curriculum and, and kind of information to folks in a new way to see, um, are there more effective ways than what we have today? And I do believe that there are. Um, and, and I really like Apple's approach to it. It feels very uh, much more approachable than the metaverse, uh, I'll say. And it, it feels like a, a natural extension of the desktop that we're so used to. And so I do see, you know, as we can bring the price down, as we can create more utility for them, I do see people using these in the work environment. And I'm incredibly excited to be able to build different modes of curriculum um, so that people can interact more and in a different way. And my, my hope is that we can make that knowledge more indelible faster for people if we're able to introduce in several modes. We already do it today where like we, we've mixed lectures with interviews, with case studies, with exercises, with live conversation. This just adds a whole nother layer to that kind of formula. Thank you. I appreciate your view on that. I know it's it's fairly new. I mean, the, the whole VR, AR isn't new, but Apple's yeah. entry into it is certainly going to change things to some degree. And as you say, as as consumer price comes down, technology speeds up, it does open up this this who this huge new area, I suppose, for educational learning. Um, Absolutely. The other thing yeah. I wanted to ask you, if I can, Michael, is about your your career journey and your your life experiences, because you must have picked up great advice along the way, or if you were passing on some advice uh, to others, what what springs to mind when I ask you that kind of question? There's so many cliches here but the the thing that i constantly see people struggle with uh even you know uh, leading a team um at dribble was uh just getting started and doing um and being okay not being perfect and i see it even with like my, my son plays um soccer competitively and there are things that he does in practice that he won't do in the game. And one of the biggest 
pieces um, that his coach, he has an incredible coach, comes from Europe. And when they're when the kids are on the field, he wants them to make mistakes. He wants them to try things that are out of their bounds. And if they lose the game, it doesn't even matter because it means that they're they're trying, they're advancing, especially at this age that he's he's eight. And so at a young age, oftentimes we stifle creativity by um by by striving for perfection, even within ourselves. And I think as adults, it gets even worse. And we just stop trying things. We just get stuck in our mode of of operation. And when we started hiring executives, um, oftentimes they'd be in the industry for 30 years, but they were still using the playbook from 10 years ago. And it worked 10 years ago, but it didn't work today. And we'd be sitting there like, why isn't this working? And they're like, well, I've I got the, the routine. I've got the regiment. I'm, I, am, I am launching just like I launched 10 years ago, um, but the results weren't there. And oftentimes like some people we had to let go. Others, we, we tried to upskill and train, but they had lost that curiosity and the ability to take risk because they they were so rooted in in following the process and doing the right thing um, that they had lost the ability to continue to grow. Um, and I think we lose it often early in life because we're scared to make mistakes. We have to win the game. We have to be perfect. Um, that we we don't do things to our true potential. And it's those campaigns. Like if you're looking at marketing, the campaigns that break through are the ones that like they really could be a flop. Like you could be looking at it before you launch it and you're like, I like it, but I'm, I'm just really not sure. Right. It's a bit risky. I don't know how this is going to go over. And oftentimes like maybe 70% of the times they actually do flop, but that 30% is what actually becomes memorable and makes a, you know, makes it an incredible impact on sometimes like society as a whole. And so I, I think too often we lose that wonder and um, I've done it too, where I've just like set, myself in stone and I kind of go on autopilot and I've realized especially with starting gigantic like how much freedom we really do have and how valuable that risk taking is so a bit of a long-winded answer but um I I I find that I, I think humanity would be better if we continue to have that wonder that curiosity we continue to push ourselves to grow and that growth is uncomfortable and that if we weren't so obsessed with with being perfect all the time and that we were a little bit more okay as a company as a culture with a bit of of failure along the way because i think that's where greatness is actually born out of i like that a lot michael thank you for sharing that i really <laughs> of like of course that. um the other thing i want to ask you is about the next sort of 12 months even 24 months because you you've got a lot you're scaling this new exciting um journey uh, with gigantic and it's a great name by the way i should have said that uh, it's Thank fantastic you. so <laughs> you. you've, you've got a you've got an awful lot going on you know the business is expanding rapidly you're involved in other areas so when i ask you about your own radar and what's on the horizon for you what kind of things are you working towards how do you go about planning what does that look like for you over the next year or two uh to be honest um I kind of plan a week ahead at this point um, because there's so much shifting. Um, one week we're we're doing course development. The next week, you know, I'll be building a trailer, uh, and then you know we have, we're going out and we're we're raising money right now from from angels, which is something I've never done, um, but I'm excited to take on. And so there, week to week, our, our priorities are definitely shifting because we're still bootstrapped. 
we're, we're still kind of investing our own capital back into the business to, to fuel the growth. And so every single week, uh, oftentimes priorities do shift very rapidly. If I look forward a year or, or two, um, I hope that there's a bit more stability. Um, and I, I kind of know that phase, we, we should be about you know 15 to 20 employees, hopefully. Um, and then really the, the strategy work will, will begin. Um, but today we're very much in the weeds, the entire team. Uh, and we're really trying to figure out what's our next win for this week. Um, and then uh, how does that drive into the next week? So I wish I had a better answer. Honestly, we're we're just deep in it um, and and we're deep in the day to day. I'm still doing the, a lot of the video editing myself. Um, it's like it's that bootstrapped at this point. So it's incredibly exciting time. This is often my favorite time within a company, um, but it's also the time when sometimes uh, seeing the forest is tough because you're really down deep um, in the trees. Yeah, I fully appreciate that. And you, you have the strategic vision, you know where you need to get to, but you and the team also have to do the work, you know, and as yes. and then you've got to raise money and then you've got to make sure everything else works. So I, I hear that. I understand what that part of the journey is like. It's tough. Um, but yeah. I suppose the other, the last thing I want to squeeze in on this, because um, I don't want to run out of time today. I wanted to just ask you yeah. though about the modern way of running a company, because historically you'd get, hundreds if not thousands of employees you'd raise a ton of capital uh you'd buy a big shiny glass box somewhere whereas today it seems to be mm -hmm. there seems to be people that are running very successful businesses with very low levels of uh, staffing you know the right key people that you want to work with maybe ai plays a part in that to some degree uh, but also running a, a yeah. highly profitable and scalable business without maybe some of the trappings that would have gone before for many organizations because the the cost of entry the cost of the tools the cost of the hosting it seems to be a very different environment now do you think about that in terms of how you plan gigantic's future yeah well i have been remote for eight years now crew was was remote dribble was remote and i feel like it was kind of a blessing because uh, we watched a lot of employees companies during the pandemic be forced to go remote. And there was like a year of correction and confusion. I remember being on sales calls uh, with companies that that traditionally had the big boardroom and 10, 10 um, different uh, sales specialists in the room. And then all of a sudden we're on a Zoom call and the, the playing field kind of, you know, flattened a bit. And um, I say that to to I, I think we've realized in these last couple of years that a lot of that is is nice. It's it's a benefit. It's a way of working, but it's not the only way of working. And I think when we're able to cut all of that overhead, um, it's it, it can be an incredibly beneficial exercise in uh, resource management. Combined with that, we've had the downturn in the tech industry with increasing layoffs. Um, and that has also forced us to rethink the way that we build companies uh, where the capital isn't available in as frothy as it was just even a year ago. And so now all of a sudden, I remember talking to CEOs who were running, who had, had run kind of that playbook, let's raise a ton of money, let's burn it all. 
Uh, and then they were like, my board's telling me, and you know, these are like 300 million in revenue. My board's telling me that I need, um, I need a profit now. I, I need, I need to focus on my EBITDA. And you're like, okay, like th things shifted really quickly. So that's how we're building. Like we're, we're building a profitable business first. We're taking in capital, but not, but, but as like key resource um, spending, uh, but not necessarily just to burn it for the next round, because that doesn't seem to be, I, I think we're about five years away, if not more from kind of a potentially swinging back into a market like that. So we need to adjust for today, which means we do need to focus on EBITDA margins. We do need to focus on profitability. We need to make sure that the business is scalable outside of funding. Um, and all of that kind of leads to your point of, well, we can't have the offices. We can't have 100 employees. We can't have this. But luckily, also to your point, AI and and other um, tools and technologies are allowing us to be, you know, do the work of 10 employees as as one. And I think we're we're lucky to live in a time we were, are able to do that. And we do use AI internally. We we do uh, we have a ton of tooling that we we uh, leverage that wasn't available five years ago that does allow us to stand up a product like this. Um, and I have no engineering staff. There's no one on the team that is an engineer. We're sales marketing and uh, I do the product side. So um, it, it is, it's a really cool time. I think it's, it's a bit of a shift for a lot of the folks that have maybe been in the industry for, for 20 years. But I think it's exciting for the people coming up that, I mean, they have the opportunity to make an incredible impact with a team of like one, two, you know? Um, and I think for the, for the world, for humanity, for society, that has a great impact because we've, we've really restricted that um, by, by locking those folks up that can build today inside of larger institutions. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more entrepreneurs, small entrepreneurial endeavors um, and some of them are going to become big. Some of them will become very, very huge. So we'll see. We will. And look, the last two things before we wrap up. Uh, one is, is there any other topic or area that I haven't touched on that you want to share with our worldwide audience or maybe something that you've already commented on that you want to double down on and reemphasize? And secondly, and really importantly, Michael, if people want to get in touch and find out more about everything that you're doing, where's the best place to send people to? Um, if you're curious in what we're building at Gigantic, the courses, if you want to get involved as a mentor, if you want to put your team through, you can find everything at gigantic.is. Um, and we have all the information there. You can sign up for admissions, and I will personally do the sales calls with you because that's where we're at. Um, if if you're you're looking for product information to keep up um, with, with another fantastic podcast you can visit rocketship.fm or just search it anywhere where you listen to podcasts um and if you want to reach out to to me personally um i'm on linkedin michael saka you can find me there and just shoot me a message it's the easiest way to get in touch well thank you michael that brings us nicely to the end of today's episode of the global discussion thank you to everybody who's been watching or listening to this episode around the world make sure that you like follow subscribe to the podcast do everything i need you to do to help support us and of course check out gigantic uh, i hope you join me back here for some more discussions with creatives leaders and thinkers and thank you michael it's been such a pleasure to catch up with you today and hear about the new exciting journey thank you so much i appreciate the opportunity